All right, so let's jump right into things, guys. This is my old drummer, Brandon, and we want to talk about anything you guys want to talk about. But let me start with this, Brand. I don't hang out with anyone anymore, bro. Like, all of my old friends, a lot of your old friends, like, it's hard for me to hang out with them. Like, unless it's the weekend or I have nothing to do, I just feel like I've outgrown a lot of people in the last couple of years. I know that, like, I have my backstory with a lot of things going on in my life that maybe upset you or a lot of the people I'm even talking about. But right now, for me to be the best I could be, I can only be there for so many people until they're not respecting what I have to say, just like they did for me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, how, how do I put this in the right sense where it's like everyone out there can understand? So let me just be brutally honest with everybody. Uh, if you've been listening to Pure Evil MMA for a while now, you know my backstory. I've been sober for about almost going on to over two years, going on to three years once you reach that mark. And it was a hard time. I lost my girlfriend. I lost a lot of my friends during that time. And I was a little out of it when it came to, why are these people doing this to me? Why aren't they here for me? And it made me realize that it wasn't them that was not trying to be there for me. It was me not being there for them with what they were telling me. I almost turned into what people would call now an asshole, where you ask for advice, but don't take it. And then you go back, you ask for advice, they say it, and, you, and in that moment you're like, yeah, that makes so much sense. But the day after, you're just like going right back to your routine. And I feel like that's the most important thing when it comes to trying to change who you are, changing routines, which is why I bring this up because that's what you need to do when you went to Texas. Right. You need to just get out of there. Why did you do that? Because I feel like that's something that a lot of people should do, but are nervous about doing that. So how did you build the courage and why did you do that? Well, it's a leap of faith, man. And um, you really need to take the time to to just outline yourself and see where you are, where you stand, where you want to be. And um, it's definitely a difficult thing, but it's worth pursuing. I mean, dude, I've learned so much in the past three years, um, just taking myself out of the environment that I was comfortable with. But at the same time, I was only comfortable because I was there and learned how to deal with the uh, uncomfort. Um, but once you take yourself out and you transplant yourself to somewhere new, you have no choice but to adapt. And that's all right, man. That's part of the human condition. We learn to adapt. We learn to, to prosper and grow um, if, we're, if we're strong in ourselves and we make wise decisions. But if not, man, you're just going to go back to the same routine. Well, here's the other thing. What you just brought up with comfort, I read a lot of these like uh, famous quotes out there that go on. And a lot of it has to do with breaking out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are nervous to do that. Like, for instance, I talked to a girl that I used to work with at a seafood restaurant and what she was telling me was I'm scared to go to California and you know what I want to meet people who are out there but I'm, I'm nervous to do that but I have to do that for myself and at the end of the day bro I we've been in band for so long and a lot of my lyrics had to do with motivation a lot of my lyrics had to do with making these choices and being afraid of those choices and when I watched you do that it was so inspirational and a lot of these people that are listening to the show right now, they go on social media, they see people around them having children, getting married, and you're sitting here ordering, uh, you, you can't even figure out what side you want on your KFC order. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you're, you're so confused. But at the end of the day, you need to break out of your comfort zone. So how did you do that? Like, obviously you were nervous, but what made you just say, screw it, I gotta buy the ticket? Like, what was that pushing point? Because people would say you need to hit rock bottom, but for you, you weren't at rock bottom. You just wanted something different. Or am I wrong? Where no, were you at? No, you're right, man. I mean, I stayed here because I was just like trying to take care of family and, and getting the peace of mind that I felt like I needed to, to leave, which is important. And some people would say, oh, that's just justification for you staying in your comfort zone. But at the same time, only you know the peace of mind that, that you need. And I eventually got to the point where I said I could. I became the person that I needed to be at that time, but I couldn't stay there any longer. Otherwise, I wasn't going to excel, you know, develop, develop. And um, going to Texas is just awesome, man. It's totally different. And I was just out of my element, man. I'm used to the New England. I'm used to like these, the New England seasons. And then you go to Texas and there's a metal the band comfort. called Texas in July. And there's a reason, man. It's just everything's so brutal. 
um, when it comes to the heat and just being surrounded by concrete. And I'm just like, I wasn't a city guy growing up, um, but I've adapted. I love it, man. There's so many venues to play at, and it's worth checking out. I want to talk about that in one second, but I feel like the argument for you that I need to bring up is you weren't an only child. You had sisters that did go down to Texas. So when you were a young kid and watching them do that, when they did that, were you kind of confused? Like, why are you leaving me? Why are you doing this? Like, did you feel that way? Because I feel like a lot of us, and it must have been so hard for you to have to leave a lot of your friends and a lot of what you're normal, uh, comfortable with behind. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a leap of faith, man. It was, uh, yeah. what, yeah. Peter or Paul, where they got out of the boat when Jesus was calling them, and they are like, he's like, hey, walk on water with me. And uh, you really need to take that leap of faith. But then when you realize that you're sinking, um, it's, it's, it's troublesome. But then you learn how to walk on water, and it's the most amazing thing that you could ever experience. So it's totally worth it, getting out of callings? your comfort zone. What were the callings for you to make a change, though? Because it wasn't like you were in any kind of, you know, pit. You had a good life. You were working full time. You you were you were a happy kid. You had a, you had music. What was it like? You just wanted something different. Like what was the reason behind making that change? Well, let's see what the venues are here. Being a musician, the venues are Toad's Place, um, Mohegan Sun, and can you name it Webster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to travel what twenty five miles, twenty five minutes at least to each of those. And in Dallas, man, there's just so many venues. Even boom, churches, boom, boom, right? boom, boom, boom. Yeah, churches, forget about it, man. You walk into a gas station, there's 25 crosses on the, on the gas station. You put one in Connecticut, somebody's offended. Well, here, here's the other thing. Like, people in Connecticut that are on the East Coast that may be listening to this right now don't understand what we're talking about. But, like, rumors I heard even before you went down there was the churches down there aren't like that. Like, and not even churches, just like... The way that community gets together is a little different between there and Connecticut. Like, they're more brought together. Like, for instance, if you are from Connecticut, you can just go to the gas station and realize how independent a lot of people are instead of being genuine or, like, helping other people. Do you, did you, do you feel that growing the, up? The, the mannerisms know? are definitely different. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a totally different culture there. They are their own. Texas is their own. And they stand on their own. And they proudly declare that. Well, anywhere that you grow up, you're going to go through issues at home, behind the scenes. Any school that you go to this day and age is going to be the same if you are 100 miles away, 1,000 miles away compared to where you are right now. But when we were growing up, there's no internet. So think about what kids are going through right now. Like when we got into music, it was because things that were going at home or just inspiration, listen to this band that brought a new vibe. But... When we were, I remember when we would have band practice, I was using that and writing my lyrics to escape that emotion as a therapy. And I, let's talk about that music as therapy because, you know, you watch shows like The Sopranos and you're like, oh, what's so interesting about that? This mobster is going to therapy. That's something people never saw before. That's what brought a lot of attraction to something like that. People like us, you know, we can go to therapy with people or whatever. But the therapy relies in us understanding ourselves and surroundings and relating to other people. And I remember when I was in your band room and guys, we're going, I'm 30 years old. Somehow I made the third year past the 27 club. Shout out to us passing the Yo, 27 club. 33. Because I, I was telling Brandon before we started recording, a lot of the listeners on this show are in high school right now. And they may be confused about life choices, which is a reason, a big reason why I want to do something different than just talking about mixed martial arts. And you guys had a great response to the last podcast that we did about life and everything that we were going through. But when I was up in the band room, which was at Brandon's crib, we had our own space. And it was just somewhere where you're able to be ourselves, not feel judged, and unleash what was built up inside. Even if we didn't understand what was inside. I was a singer, Brandon was a drummer, and we were able to mend something so special, so important that stood with me now till this day. Things that I wrote down in lyrics, in music, that opened my eyes like, wow, I said that? That means so much. Listening to songs from back then mean even more now. Like the song Hell is Closer, or even When You're in Death by Morning with uh, Last is Nothing You Speak Of. You know what yep. I mean? Like Things like that. It's crazy what you can, how you develop in a healthy way, mm -hmm. without drugs, without going to therapy and feeling like you're misunderstood. Mm -hmm. 
how did you find music? Why was music important to you to become a drummer? Like, how did, how did you find drumming? Why was that the instrument you chose as a therapy? I got drums because my dad was like, hey, one of my clients is giving away a drum set. Wait, wait, no, no, I know why. He was like, I work all day. Mom's at home, drive her crazy. Here's this drum set. <laughs> yeah, mom was working too, but yeah, he got a drum set and he's like, you promised me that you're gonna use it. I was like, I promise. But I really got it because I was in a band and I was a singer and I was gonna let the drummer use the drum set. Wait, you were? This I, is way back when. This is shattering news right now, Fred. Jeremy Remington told me all the time that you were a great singer. I only saw you sing on the drums like some uh, funeral for a friend or uh, like, yeah, some funeral for a friend kind of uh, vibe. I didn't know you were an actual singer. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't. <laughs> I sang. And uh, we, did, we did two songs over at the Arts Barn. And one of them was Blink-182's Damn It. Whoa, 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 whoa. How nervous were you? How old were you? Probably 14. How nervous were you to do a live show? I was, I was pumped, but I was nervous. How good did it feel afterwards, though? So great. And what does that say about music itself as a oh, therapy? Man. It's just an expression. It's just a high that you can't get anywhere else. And like being on stage and having influence over the crowd. I mean, being a drummer, I'm in charge of the, the, the breakdowns and the blast beats. I control the mosh pit. I control the mellowness. I'm not saying any other instrument taken away from any instrument, but I'm just telling you the groove is there. So to be able to control that is pretty uh, empowering. I got two things to say. When you watch a lot of these shows, a lot of the stereotypes, when you got a child as a drummer, the parents freak out. They flip out. Enough of that. Enough of this noise. Children jamming out in the garage. Enough of this. They don't realize you're saving thousands of dollars of therapy lessons just for them doing that. But here's the danger of it. Let's talk about the dangers of it. There, yeah, there is therapy. But look at me. I'm a prime example of this. And you watched that. You personally watched what happened to me uh, through that experience. Because I would listen to bands. When I was growing up, I was inspired by my parents' taste in music. Like the Grateful Dead. Just just look look, look around you. Leonard Skinner's playing on the TV in front of us right now. We're, we're on... Good old Freebird. <laughs> Freebird's playing 1975. right 1975. And, and you know what, man? My father listening to metal and you know his background. I've talked to a lot of my listeners about that as well uh, with motorcycle clubs. I thought that was cool. Then we got older. There was bands like Slipknot, The Used, and I would listen to that. And I didn't really know their background, but it made a comfort. But I looked at musicians like you had to be this way to feel comfort because we are all misunderstood. That is not what they were trying to express, though. But I feel like it was so misunderstood at the time, and it's only getting worse now. And where I saw that was with my sister. When my sister was growing up, it became rap music, and they glorified drugs. It went from rappers being drug dealers to drug addicts. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you look at a lot of the people now, it's scary. But you remember when we were growing up, parents were like, don't play Grand Theft Auto. And you know what? Looking in hindsight, they were right. They were right, not not to play Grand Theft Auto, but the impact that made. Look at all the mass shooters going around right now. It's scary, man. It's scary how little things can in, just blow up and influence somebody. Well, yeah, man. I mean, it's definitely scary, but to put all the pressure on like the video games and everything like that, I think it has more of like a. It's like a, a, such a small part. Well, I mean, it's it's a fa it's a factor. I mean, and the movies, um, all the entertainment business. But I mean, all that person needed was a friend. <laughs> And a certain kind of outlet like music. Was it that or was it becoming more acceptable? Like you brought that in your life so you became more desensitized towards it. Because when, say for instance, you sat down with your grandmother today, God, God rest her soul. If you sat down with her and just showed her, even your great grandmother, anyone from 100 years ago. And people saw the things that we're doing now and children are growing up with that they were hidden against. And the argument may be, is it better to show them this or hide it from them? I would say it's better to hide that from them instead of giving that access to it because you become desensitized towards it. Like my mother said when I was growing up as an EMT and a nurse, when you see your first car accident, it's brutal. Yeah. You go home, you take that home with you, it bothers you a lot. But when you see that a hundred times, you don't feel that same kind of thing. So when kids are young growing up and, and they're playing video games or they're shooting people, they don't understand what life really means I don't, I don't know how to really nail that but i feel like i'm on the lead to something that you can understand and respond to and our listeners could well yeah entertainment is a replacement for actual pure joy you know it's not fulfilling 
playing music and being around people that help you excel and become a better person, that's joy. Well, that's the other thing. When I listen to music that I used to listen to 15 years ago, I don't relate to it as much as I do now. Like I could put a song on that I loved as a teenage heartbroken kid that I listen to now like, have another drink and drive yourself home. Hope there's ice in um, my mouth. And I listen to that now and I'm like, new. that's... I, 70 times 7. I would never say that to a girl now. I would never say that to a girl now. And it may be because of the things that I've gone through, but... And yeah, it felt great at the time, but it's hard for me to relate to things like I did back then. And that could just be me getting older, but I, I also feel like... I, I, I don't... I don't. Growing I don't up and maturing, man. Growing up and maturing. It's like, um... There's a scripture, I don't know, I forgot which one it is, but it talks about just growing out of those things and, and physical things like video games and growing up to spiritual things where like, you're not a baby anymore. You're not a kid anymore. You're not a teenager anymore. You're an adult. Spiritually, you're an adult. So you naturally want to get rid of those things because you know better. Is it scary coming back home and seeing people that you used to see back then not where you think they should be or not have changed or terrifying it's terrifying and the worst thing is like you can't do anything about that and you mentioned hip-hop before and like people being influenced by that and i was listening to the radio and it was just like oh god you know exactly what it is so i was i was just basically complaining about it all day and then my buddy was like you know forget about the complaining why don't you go write something yourself i was like you know what you're right so I went home and I actually wrote a hip hop verse, two of them, about me talking to myself if I was the one that sold everything, values, morality, everything, just to get to that, that climb that mountain. And what happened when I sold myself? And it's a letter to me addressing how I felt about myself. Perfect. I'm so happy that's led to right here. Perfect transition to my MMA fans out there, my MMA listeners. Because when I was growing up, man, one of my idols, Derek Jeter, try not to lay that down on here because they're going to hear that in the car. Oh, man. But when I was growing up, it was Derek Jeter that was one of my favorite idols growing up. And for kids that are young right now, it's Conor McGregor. And you look at somebody like Conor McGregor, and the reason why a lot of the people got on board with him was because he came from nothing. He was on welfare. He was with the same girl from back then until he became big. And then once he got big and had the Mayweather fight, there was allegations going on that he cheated on his wife. There was pictures about it. Uh, this girl claimed that he, uh, she had his child. And there was uh, the big incident, and I was there in New York when this happened, and it was all over CNN, Fox News, everywhere. My grandparents were calling me when I was in New York. Conor McGregor throwing the dolly through the tour bus. Uh, Conor McGregor most recently got into a fist fight inside a pub, hit a 50-year-old man. Now, if I was a kid and I heard Derek Jeter did that, I would lose a lot of respect, but the kids nowadays that are listening to a lot of the rap music, and I may be um, taking a whole group of people and putting them in one category, and it's not that way. But the people who are looking at Conor McGregor and taking influences him, he's turned to more of a bully. And you look at Derek Jeter, or when my grandparents, when I was a young kid, they would tell me stories about Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle, or Babe Ruth, and mm -hmm. everything that they did, mm -hmm. and what made them a good people, and things that they had to go through, like fans throwing things at them because they didn't want them to beat Babe Ruth's record and you looked at you know them dealing with their family getting death threats and stuff like that mm. and they were able to overcome That's that hard. that was inspiring Derek Jeter he was inspiring because when I read his biography he walked into his parents room at six seven years old at like midnight and told them with his baseball glove on that he was going to be shortstop or I think he said second base for the New York Yankees one day. Mm. And they pushed them towards that dream. And they supported that. that. They were the parents that did not care how loud the kid was playing drums. Exactly. Exactly. Full circle right there. Exactly. So, I'm excited about this, man. I'm just glad to see where you're at. And uh, it's just a pleasure to be here. Well, while we're on that subject, when I was younger, and before I read that biography, I was in the car with a family member. I'm not going to throw his name under the bus. But I told him, I wanted to be in the NFL and he told me and this might be the brutal truth and it could be real that it was going to be so hard and that the odds for that happening were slim to none but you know what I realized when I got older though there was somebody my age that time doing the same things I was doing that are now currently in the NFL someone is next in line mm -hmm. why not me and you know what I realize that now 
with what I'm doing and all the success I have now. Yeah. It's an influence. That is an Your influence. Your influences impact you. And somebody like Conor McGregor, what do you think about somebody doing that as an influence that the UFC is pushing forward as a narrative to their big superstar? It's not good. Man, it, it's a brutal truth. And uh, the truth is going to be revealed. And for somebody to keep somebody at the top of the totem pole like that, you know, you really have to have to read the signs, and when the warning light comes on, kind of take notice of that, and don't disregard that. Uh, Derek Jeter, I went to his last game at Yankee Stadium. Really? Yeah. And um, Wait, didn't he have an amazing game? Wasn't it? You know, one of the best things about that game was that he struck out. Really? And it just shows that even greats humble. have those, stri- yeah, those yeah. strikeouts, and he was so humble about it, but at the end of it, he persevered to the end, and he got the winning RBI hit for the game. I knew there was something about that game that was special. Yeah, it was great. And the fact that thousands of people were there for him, and he wasn't like being glorified. like He didn't show any kind of interest in himself. You know? So he wanted, Not a sociopath, yeah. It was just amazing to witness and to feel being there. And um, I, I just wish more people were like that, especially in MMA, because so many people watch it and they're influenced by it. So with actions like Conor McGregor, you know, everybody goes through their trials and tribulations. And from an outsider perspective, it's difficult to judge because we're not here for that. But you have to take notice on the actions and be like, well, is this somebody, is this a character worth looking up to? I like that you said that because when I did my last podcast and I expanded on this exact topic, I said, growing up in a Italian family, you know, he went on ESPN to talk about the situation and he convinced a lot of people that he was going to change. Those are just words. Mm-hmm. Let's see the actions. Right. That makes a big impact. And I like what you were saying before about, you know, listening to the radio and things bothering you. And you went home and wrote your own thing as an influence. It could take one person to change one person's mind, which is why I think, you know, talking, being honest with you guys about my past could help you to see where I'm at now and be like, you can relate to that. I think that's very inspiring. And there needs to be more of that. See, transparency goes the distance. Well, that's the new age, bro. You know, looking at people on TV, on a lot of these shows, they have a narrative they need to follow and things they can't say. But now when you have internet, it can go one of two ways where you can be brutally honest and relate to people or you can be brutally honest and put people towards a negative path. And they're not going to realize it when they're young. And it could really blossom in this you're planting a seed and it could really bloom into something very negative yeah you know there's kids now when did you lose your vision you don't got to say but i was uh, a freshman right there's kids now in middle school losing their virginity as a normal thing there's class dance there's videos of young kids online doing these very provocative it just it bothers me man i feel like the way that things have been going what, what, what is it going to take for these things to change? And here in America, people are like, freedom of speech. We have freedom of things to, uh, we have freedom of speech. And that goes one of two ways. Or you're going to use your voice as something positive, or you're going to use your voice as something negative. We're teaching people all about freedom, but we're not teaching them about the responsibility that comes with freedom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You, know, you can have sex with everybody you see, but the fact of the matter is that's going to take a part, like we are talking about spiritually, like that whole emotionally, like everything. So it's important to teach people, you know, maybe be married, not maybe, but be with somebody, get married. And I was thinking about it. And if people would get married and have sex, they're like, oh, well, having sex before you get married is like a trial period to see if they're, they're good. good. <laughs> and it's like, yo, if no, if people didn't sleep with each other before they got married, there'd be nothing to compare it to. So like you'd be in that boat with the person that you're with and that would be, that's the experience. That's another scary thing where people are right now with dating apps, how easy it is to connect with girls. Dude, just this year, I think I've been with almost 10, 11, 12 girls, sadly, sadly, like when I say sadly, there's a lot of guys out there that might be like, oh yeah, and we would high five right now. But to me, it bothers, it bothers me a lot because I haven't found anything else inside that person. And I, it's hard because when I sit here and I think about what couples do I know that actually have a good bond, who have stayed together. I can't think of anyone really outside the boomy, uh, the boomer baby, uh, the boomer, baby boomers, the baby boomers, who stood with their spouse as 
16, 17 years old and grew with them as an adult. Now it's so easy to find somebody to just have a quick one night stand with. And I'll, I'll, I'll be a testament to that. Like I was with a girl and I, I shared this on my podcast and I shared it with you. We had a lot of long talks about this a couple of months ago uh, where I was with this girl and we started dating right off the bat because we were very sexually attracted to one another. This, uh, <laughs> the sex was great, but like, you know, there were, there were some issues and me and you talked about, <laughs> me and you talk, talk, spoke about this and uh, I don't want to go too deep into it, but listen, I brought her up for her birthday and growing up the way I did, you treat a girl nice. You mm -hmm. spend money on her. You make her feel like the most important thing. The way I felt in return wasn't what I was giving out. And I quickly realized that and it made me sick to my stomach that I started dating this girl so quick and it brought even more pain to me knowing that I did that and I committed myself too quick instead of taking my time with it. And I feel like that happens a lot now because it's so easy. It's, 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 it's in your face. It's super easy. Well, very transparent of you, Ed. Dude, and, and another, <laughs> another thing, this is kind of messed up, and I don't want anyone to judge me for this, but just this year, there were two women I've been with that have children that live with their man who tell me that they don't want anything to do with them, that you, I don't understand this and that. Hold on a second. You're living with your man. I've been there before. That's going to hurt them, and I don't want to do that to somebody. But it's so easy for them to put their profile picture out there and interact with people and mingle with them. And maybe they don't want to meet up, even though these girls did. But it's just so easy to find that comfort just talking to somebody over the phone. And people do that now instead of talking to their spouse. And there was a show on MTV on Catfish. She was getting catfished by her own boyfriend because the boyfriend was using that outlet to talk to his own wife as somebody else other than him to bring her comfort, but saying the same things that he would say to her, but she felt a, a different door opening, some kind of freshness. That scared me, bro. That scared me a lot. That's chaotic, man. <laughs> and it happens <laughs> a lot. Just that scenario. And it happens a lot, bro. It happens a lot. Yeah, too stressful, man. You wouldn't see that with our grandparents. As, as oh, dude, point. bringing you it back not. to the 1920s? You wouldn't. It was so different. It was a lot different. It was so different. And it just made so much more sense. And they seemed happier. And they lived longer. Notice these people that we're talking about, these like grandparents, they're living to be 96, 98, 100 years old. Ima yeah, yeah. Imagine, okay, so if you're living to 100 years old right now, it's 2019, meaning you were born in 1919. Before Hitler, before TVs, before internet, before Viagra, before, I think even aspirin. You know what I mean? Like, that is, that's crazy seeing just in 100 years. Think about where we are right now in 100 years from now. And if we don't change something now, and I'm not trying to do this show like CNN or Fox or trying to be inspirational. I'm just trying to share my thoughts and how I feel and what I'm witnessing to get that out there just to see if you guys relate. And if you do relate, please comment on this so we can talk about it because it would mean a lot. Maybe I'm wrong and you can change my mind about one of these subjects. I don't have a closed mind. And I think that's one of the, positive things about social media because if we look at social media now it could be used for a positive thing where Absolutely. people are speaking up uh the me too movement thinking about you know an article that goes up or somebody that gets called out and then all these people see that and they have a platform to say that happened to me too and you come together and do you see how many people and whether you agreed with that situation or didn't agree with that situation that's something that's not the point Look how many people showed up for that parade. Hundreds of thousands of people were there. Did you see the photos of the Me Too movement? I did not. Let me, uh, let me pull this up really quick for you guys. And you guys can see this on the video cast. Any impact social media has for positive opinions I think that's one of the most about what you can do with this platform well, social media is not necessarily a bad thing I think it gets a bad rep people get mad because people are always on their phones but being on the phone isn't the issue I mean I could be the timing 
that's the people that you're with, but social media does But generation, they were the true green movement, man. They were the ones that didn't have a washer and dryer and just hang dried their clothes. Well, you, you know what? You could do anything. Like drink, if you drink too much milk, it's going to be bad for you. You know what I mean? Like there are things that you can do in moderation that are good, that are bad. But when it comes to doing your best, that makes an impact. When you surround your people, when you surround yourself with people online that are working towards bettering themselves, reading these inspirational quotes, watching these inspirational videos. Like when I wake up in the morning and you showed me this, bro, I think you sent me a couple videos of people that did these inspiring speeches to listen to when you wake up. That could change your whole day, your whole outlook. Absolutely, man. Okay, so here's one of the pictures of the parade here. And that's not even the best one. There are a lot of people here. And from social media, these people getting together. It's so inspiring. You can use it for good or you can use it for bad. Let's move on to something else though, bro. Let's talk about, let's go back to dating. When you see these young kids doing this, do you think there's any future for kids actually getting married and it being successful? Or does it come back to the parent's responsibility? Because when we were kids, we didn't listen to our parents as much. And we were talking about this before the podcast. It's, dude, it scares me a lot to have children right now. And I look at my sister dropping out of school. It mm -hmm. scares me. Yeah. Well, it has, uh, you know, I don't person know if to it, person. Yeah, I mean, person to person. The parents can only do so much. Listen, my, I had a great childhood, and my parents did the very best that they could for me, and they supported me with the music thing. They didn't um, try to hide anything from me. I wanted to play Grand Theft Auto, so we went out. I had a PlayStation. We got some Grand Theft Auto, and people left me alone. Well, what made you revolt, though? Like, why do, kids, why do you think kids revolt against good parents? Well, there's a lot of good parents out there, and you look at their children, like me, and you're like, I look at myself, and I'm like, why, why did I? Why didn't I listen? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that's just a kid thing. And also, you know, the culture is just like, there's a time where, where professionals and inspirational people were saying that the kids know more than their parents do. So they'd go, go to school, excuse me, and these, uh, these inspiration people would Drop come out and tune in. They'd be like, you know more than your parents. These kids are in eighth grade. So my dad would send me out, you know, clean shaven, uh, kind of a conservative look, uh, good morale, values. I came back with a, green mohawk some um some dog chains to my wallet and my dad was like what happened today like <laughs> uh, what did you become and i'm like dad leave me alone like you listen don't get it. you don't get it like listening to like institutionalized by like you know uh, who was it um i just wanted a pepsi i just wanted a pepsi One leave pepsi. me alone i'm all right um so I just listened to a lot of music and I got caught up in the whole, you know, Slipknot thing and, and music has its influence. Just like the video games. People said music. Don't listen to Marilyn Manson, which I'm not really a fan of Marilyn Manson. There's a couple songs that I'm like, I'll write about. But the fact of the matter is, you know, he could be a talented musician and I commend him for doing what he does. But I'm not going to show my kids that and be like, this is who you need to listen to. I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you said that because that also brings a lot with what Eminem had to say. Could it load a gun up for you and cock it too? People blame Marilyn Manson for the whole Columbine thing. And you know what? It has nothing to do, like what I've been trying to say is like, it has an influence, but you can't blame the influences on it. It has to do with what you surround yourself with, what you're brought up with. And I want to, I want the kids out there that are listening to this podcast right now that I'm 30 years old. Brand, how old are you? 33. I still don't get it. I may have my life in order. I may be living a lot better than I was 10 years ago, five years ago. I still don't get it. It's not like you're gonna wake up one day and just magically get it. So, Brent, what do you do like right now? Like, how does your day go to make sure that you live a positive life? Like, what? Bring us through a day in the life. Paint that picture for us. <laughs> well, um, I owe a lot to my girl, so having good people by your side definitely helps. But when you're doing it alone, you really got to stick to what you're passionate about. Make sure that it's a positive outlet. And, um, and pursue, pursue your dream, pursue what you're made to do. I mean, we're not all made to do a nine to five job. And when you're outside of that nine to five job, what do you like to do for yourself? And if that could better the community, that's all the more reason to take part in that. So what I've been doing is if I can't be in a band and promote myself, I want to help other bands because I know that it's difficult to get your name out. Oh yeah. What are you doing with that? 
Oh mm-hmm. man, it's just it's just fun. So I have uh, one platform which is Instagram. So if you go to Drums Instead, you'll find a black and white symbol of a drumstick, just like this. And um, go to venues and record the shows, and then talk to the musicians about it and see if there's anything they want to talk about: the music, the lyrics, how they got involved with the music, how it changed their lives. And that's another thing. I'm glad that you brought that up because with me and doing this podcast and doing MMA, I wake up excited in the morning. And I think that's something that people need to find a healthy outlet. It's Some people don't have hobbies. And I feel like that's a really, even if it's just going to the gym or being on diets or, or something, find something that makes you wake up in the morning and to better yourself. Travel. Travel. You know what? Oh, I'm pre- you got to press close on there. But you know what is another thing? that I want to talk about before we end this, and I want to talk about one more topic before we end this, is having toxic people around you and how to correctly distance yourself from that. Like, how is it right to maintain friendships? Do you hold on to certain friendships that you know are toxic, even though those people mean something to you? Or and, And do you wait for them to come around? Or do you stay there and even if they're not making the changes that they say they're going to make. Like you said, man, actions speak louder. I mean... What do you do if the actions aren't matching the words? What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? You can only do so much until you start to be pulled under. Like, what's that analogy with the, uh, with the crab? If you hang around with dogs, you're bound to catch fleas. If, you're, if you hang around with dogs, you're bound to catch fleas. And what were you saying, the crab? It's like a crab theory or like a metaphor where if you put them in a bucket... One of them will try to climb out, but then the others will constantly be pulling them down. I'm ruined for those guys to climb out, though. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm just, <laughs> keep persevering. The toxic ones are the ones at the bottom saying, I'm straight down here. You know what I mean? It's the ones that are climbing out I want to follow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Maybe that's not the way that the analogy was supposed to go, but I want to see the guys climb out well, of that, the bottom of the bucket. That's what, it all, that's what it is, man. I mean, the crab knows who he or she is, influence. knows their potential, again, and they want to get out. You know, they know that they have to transplant themselves, even though they're leaving behind all the other family members, all the other friends, but they need to get out of that bucket, you know? That's another influence, which brings me back to you leaving Texas, how inspirational that was to me when I sat here realizing, all my friends are gone. Where, where are my friends? All my friends are getting married. All my friends are having children. And brings me to my next thing. Bro, we're in our 30s. Yeah. Uh, who's your wife? Did you bring your kids with you? What's going on? Do you feel the pressure? I talked about this on another podcast. Uh, what was it? The, uh, the Single Bachelor or something like that. And I, I told them, I was like, when I turned 30, I was like, I felt the pressure that I need to get things going. And I was convinced from people that listen to the show uh, tweeting me saying, you don't need to feel that way. Just let things naturally happen. They're true, man. You have smart listeners. They're absolutely right. I mean, there's change. If you listen to, uh, who was it? Gary Vaynerchuk. He's talking about how people are moving back into their crib with their parents because it's to save money. They went to school. They owe $80,000, and they just need a way to save money. And why not? You're going back with your family. You're getting back to your roots. You're being around people. But it's so hard for this generation to save money. Look, in Connecticut, like my parents are talking about moving to South Carolina or something like that because it's so much cheaper. Like Connecticut just – I don't even know if you know this. They just brought in – 10 cents if you want grocery bags. Oh, they've, I think taxes. they've been doing that in California for a while. That, that, it's, it's just ridiculous. It, it's absolutely ridiculous. Where's that money go? Bro, when, when you leave here, you're going to hit about five potholes on the way home. Thanks for the warning. Well, where the, where's that 10 cents going towards? Not because a pothole. nothing's really been improving. You know? Well, It's scary, man. And in Texas, do you, do you guys have car insurance? Or not car Yeah, car insurance? Do you have car insurance, that? yeah. I thought it was only Connecticut where you have to pay car insurance. If it's not, I gotta check to see where my money's going. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's something that only happens in Connecticut. I forgot what it is. It's something to do with. I thought it was maybe not insurance. Uh, car taxes. Car taxes. Car taxes. You have to pay car taxes in Texas. I'm gonna say no. Yeah, you only gotta pay that in in uh, in America. In America. In uh, in Connecticut. Like a lot of these things, it's hard for our generation to get ahead. And I wrote an article today at pureevilmma.com. Even these top-tier athletes, Dustin Poirier, who had his coach on uh, two weeks ago, and he had, he was in the main event last night or yesterday afternoon for UFC 242. He only made 
390k and you may look at that and go 300k that's a that's a lot people usually make 120k if they have a good job but you're not taking into consideration that these guys have to pay their gym they have to pay their nutritionist they're taking sacrifices away from their family they end up with probably about 60k 50k tops at the end of the fight which means you got to fight at least twice a year and make all these sacrifices deplete your body and leave your family there's a lot that goes on with it and if you work your whole life and you're inspired to do that and you make it to that point and it doesn't work out then what you've wasted 15 years of your life now what now you're back at square one you didn't graduate from college you didn't follow up on an education maybe you didn't even get a wife or, or a family you are so behind it's so unfair the way things are now and how greedy people are at the top which is why do you remember the stop and shop strike no here in Connecticut there was a strike at stop and shop and my cousin was a part of it so after my cousin he has autism he was out there he has such bad social anxiety disorder but he stood up in what he believed in and stood with hundreds of people outside stop and shop to protest them getting paid so small and they were trying to take away if you were a married man working full-time manager at stop and shop they didn't want to give your spouse insurance health insurance they were trying to take that away Hmm. They they were trying to take a, a bunch of things away. It's it's just scary, man. How greedy people are. It's a scary world, and I suggest everybody to really do their own research about it. Like when you did your own research about politicians and and all that, it opened up your eyes. When people look at people like uh, who's the guy that just got pulled off the air? Uh, he was just on Joe Rogan. He's into a lot of conspiracies. Alex Jones. Alex Jones. People look at him and maybe a lot of the stuff that he says doesn't ring, but the freedom of speech thing that goes along with that. Why is he getting pulled off of this platform, that platform? Like, the world's a mess right now. And I feel like it's scary moving forward. Well, man, if you're going to talk for three hours every day, there's going to be people that disagree with you. Oh, yeah. So yeah. props to that guy for doing this for, what, 10, 15, 20 years well, maybe? Well, here's the other thing. You look back at the 1950s and how proper everyone was, I feel like that was a safer lifestyle. In the nineteen fifties, in the in the nineteen fifties or sixties, when everything was clean and proper and taken care of, and maybe I'm maybe I'm completely wrong, but I feel like when you give all this access to people, there's obviously going to be a good majority of people that swing this way, and it could be very toxic. Dude, I'm just scared. I'm just scared about everything between dating, between making money, between all all this stuff. Just dude, it scares me, and I feel like it's more worse now than 50 years ago. What do you guys think? Let, let us know. Brandon, before we stop this podcast, is there anything else you want to talk about, bro? Yeah, let's talk about when we were in a band and how there was therapy. I remember jamming in your mom's basement and it was me, you, and Scott. Smashing glasses. And dude, you got so involved with the music. I mean, I was rocking out, so I, I was in my element. Scott was doing his thing, and then you were just in a breakdown, dude, and you just picked up a glass, and you were just screaming, and you just threw the glass right at the wall. Everything shattered. Uh, you didn't realize that you did it until after the song was over, and you're like, why is there shattered glass here? And now, I just, now, now I do it on podcast, just snap it on people. <laughs> now I do it on podcast, just snap. Dude, I, I probably flipped a table while I was on that rant. But just let it be known, you were not angry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that was, that was a vent of release, and... In a way of throwing glass, so to speak, is like when you when you play a show live and you see these kids, even these adults that are like, say it's moshing, but they're getting their aggression out. It's a respectful crowd. Mosh pits get a bad rep. So let's clarify that. There's a lot of respect that goes into a mosh pit. Uh, when somebody gets knocked down, there's somebody there to pick them up, and there's odds are a wall around that person of bodies protecting that person until they get up. There was just a documentary released on Travis Scott who got arrested for causing a riot at his concert, letting people mosh, letting people that didn't have the, the pricey tickets into the front row. And he got arrested for that. That's and the people extreme, at the concert, he, dude, he stopped in the middle of the show and said, hold on, pick that one up, pick that one up. The people around you, those are your brothers, those are your sisters. He was influencing these guys to you know, help the people around you out. But get this angst out. Hmm. Celebrate this. Feel good. Be the eagle. Soar. I mean, and there's there are those influencers there that don't even sh shout out their influence to the crowd like in other words they're humble about it 
Aaron Lewis from Stained once played a show, and there was probably like a 14-year-old girl that was moshing, and he stopped the show, stopped the set, and was like pointing this dude out that was just being completely inappropriate, and this girl was just trying to have a good time, and he's like, get that guy out of there, get that guy out of there, that's not the way that you treat a person like that. Is it on, uh, is it on uh, YouTube? They could, they could probably, yeah, we could find it, we could put it up, but just the fact of the matter Aaron is... Aaron Lewis stopped show. I don't know what that's going to... Aaron oh, Lewis goes off Aaron on Lewis a fan? goes off on a fan. Or Aaron, Lu- Aaron Lewis loses it, then walks off stage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, once Five like, years ago, that's probably right, right? Yeah, that's probably right. All right, let's listen to this, guys. This is it. This is it. Outside show. People are moshing. They're crowd surfing. They're having some fun. What song is this? Ah... It's the last track off of their last Stained album. Chapter 5? No, this is not Chapter 5. Keep going. Remind you when I'm gone. I forgot about that. There's no edited version of this. Listen up, you fucking assholes. <laughs> hold on. Listen up, you... Fu- Alright, hold on. Listen up, you fucking assholes. That was great. I was saying about social media someone putting something out and people standing up for that yeah that's a big lesson you learn more from that than you would in school bro yeah absolutely okay and look how these people are uniting about that well half of them are price smash think of what an impact that made right there on everybody there it's true and think about that poor girl that people were doing that to like if he didn't say that and let that go that would affect her life so negatively like the butterfly effect, bro. If he did not say that, she would be the girl in the diner at the end that was addicted to heroin. Most likely. Well, instead not. of the girl in college that was making uh, Ashley Kutcher's coast troll from an orgasm. You know? <laughs> Things like that can make a huge impact on somebody. She may not have had that kind of respect. Ever. It, and that definitely could have changed her life. It's crazy, man. These people need to realize the platform that they have is such an influence on people. And if you're sitting there, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, it went from drug dealers to drug addicts. And all of that is just wrong. It's crazy. But music at the end of the day, bro, it's such a healing property. It is. What do you got what do you gotta do? Let's see if there's a charger. Yeah, it's it's over, your charger's over here. Oh, okay. You need it? Oh no no worries. The podcast is almost over. We are at a minute we just reached an hour. Just an hour mark. What else do you want to talk about before we end this podcast off? Um, hey, man, it's all about the perseverance. So find, find your passion, follow that, pursue that. And I'll give you an example real quick. When I was on tour, um, when I was on tour, Let's unfortunately... Let's you being on tour, bro, and what an impact that must have Well, been. sadly, it wasn't with you, man. I mean, you would have enjoyed well, playing at these venues. about and, doing something like that. You it, got to do it. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, it wasn't a glamorous uh, bus. It was a U-Haul with a van. But that was my fault, though. Even even if you're out there touring and eating double double cheeseburgers at McDonald's, it was still an experience. While I was at home, sick off my ass, going through heroin withdrawals and shit, that was my fault, bro. Don't say sorry. Don't don't you apologize for that. That was my fault. Those were my choices. Well, that's commendable that you take responsibility for that, man. But share your experience, though, because you followed the right path and you got to do something you always dreamed of. If you were in elementary school. 
And you right now went to yourself and went, I got to tour with a band, all these different places. Would you believe it? Because I wouldn't believe myself if I told myself I'd be interviewing UFC champions. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy, bro. Yeah. What was what was that like to experience? It, it, dude, it was great. It was great. I mean, um, my parents, although they let me play drums and and shred my heart out, and drive them crazy. And yeah, yeah. And, and the neighbors. We got to think the well, neighbors. Well, the neighbors. <laughs> one time I did drive them crazy because there was a pregnant lady. My my next door neighbor was pregnant. My dad was like, "Stop playing that music. We're playing metal." It's just have you ever had the neighbors call the police? We've never. No, had, no, no, we no, no, no. We weren't crazy. You never threw glass at my house. Well, we weren't in. We weren't in the city. We were, we, we there was a lot of space between houses and stuff. Yeah, it was a good place, man. We yeah. were blessed with that. But um, yeah, it was just a great experience, and we stayed at state parks to save money. Really? Yeah, and then we just traveled. We went to Chicago. It was a great show. Um, Whoa! You went all the way out there? Chicago, Virginia, South Carolina. Um, Pennsylvania kind of did like a horseshoe from the New England and then wrapped around and came back and uh, it was great man and and the band that we were with we were signed to Sling Slang Records Sling Slang? Sling Sling Slang are they still around? they could be well shout out to them anyways guys go check them out go check them out yeah they they had some really good bands there and we, we toured with this band called Flu and the drummer when we were in Virginia we stayed at a state park and we all like to kind of go hiking and stuff so we climbed up the mountain when we woke up and then we were we, we got there and then the drummer from flu hurt his foot and so we oh, basically had no. to we basically had to carry him down did he use then, an iron cobra on the drum set too like did it affect his he didn't play double bass but he was a great musician an awesome guitarist or uh, an awesome drummer and so we had like two or three shows to finish up the tour and when we got back come to find that day so he played like two or three shows with a broken foot and didn't really say anything about it he chucked some whiskey yeah yeah which is <laughs> that may help that might help and um he got through the set but with with passion like that with these fighters that just go in there and just fight with all their heart and then get their heart not their heart but their face fucking pounded oh sorry sorry their face pounded in no swearing bro. yeah dude i'm trying i'm trying there, but, there's there's people not just at the gym not just at the beach listening to this but in the cars with their grandparents. And they're going to go, shut this shit off. <laughs> <laughs> grandparents, I apologize. If we swear once in an hour, that's a pretty good record. No, I'll tell you what. If, if people are listening at an hour and 11, those are our hardcore listeners. Right yeah, there. we appreciate the you. Thank you, thank left. you, thank you so, so much. So we're good. We're good at this point. Yeah, so this is great. So, yeah. But you went to Chicago, South Africa? No, South. <laughs> <laughs> One day. I don't know if it's going to be a missionary trip or a tour, but. Hopefully we can get some musicians over there and teach these kids that literally don't have nothing that are sleeping on dirt. Well, that's that, what you're trying to do now in Texas, right? You're trying to kind of make a label or what are you trying to do down there? Right now, if you are a band or are you're just an artist and you're playing in the garage, your talent is probably way better than what's on the radio waves. So send your, your talent, your skill over to Drums Instead on Instagram. We'll, we'll build up the feed and then we'll bring another platform to it. But what? Last thing I want to talk about that goes off of what you're saying right there is you got to be consistent. If you get fed up and you think this just isn't working out, keep going for it. Mm -hmm. Keep mm -hmm. going at it because I can't tell you how many how many times uh, people have been told stop what you're doing. You suck at this. What uh, what was your old singer's name uh, that you went R on tour RC. with? RC. RC. Yeah. Look at all the things that people were saying to him and he didn't listen and he went on tour. Yeah, that's true. They're like the, the, the band is great. The lead singer stinks. Dude, you, you're cool. You're cool. You're, you, you suck. Yeah. <laughs> and he stayed consistent. But that you know what? But Jonathan Davis from Corn, people said the same thing about really? him. Look at him. Dexter Holland from The Offspring, people said the same thing about him. Look at them. So it's wow. unique to have that voice. And don't let the outside world project their emotions and their perspectives on you. Keep doing what you love to do. Who cares what other people have to say? If you're playing music and you, if you enjoy doing what you're doing, Put that out there. That could save someone's life. It's another reason why social media can make you stronger. When people say this, you build a thicker kind of skin to not listen to any of that. But keep going. Because just like you, when me and you were talking on the phone a couple weeks ago about somebody that you met, it only takes being in the right place at the right time for a door to open up. Absolutely. That's all it takes. Right now, James McSweeney, who I do the podcast with, has a number one movie in Malaysia over 10 million tickets sold. You know, Angry Birds 2, he just stayed consistent. People were telling him, 
uh, after he got uh, released from the UFC to quit, he shouldn't be fighting, you're too old to be fighting, give up, look at your record, this and that. Look where he is now. He got to play himself in the movie. People are praising him. He's opened up a gym uh, in Thailand. Now he's in Texas, mm. where you are in Dallas. He's in Dallas. How far is that from you? In Dallas? Yeah. I'm in Dallas. Oh, you're in Dallas. <laughs> How about that? But Dallas, you could drive two hours around the perimeter of Dallas and still be in Dallas. Really? Yeah. Before before we end that, what was what was it like going from connect? Because we didn't really touch on that. We kind of tried to, but I want to end it on this. How big of a change was it? How long did it take to, for you to get comfortable in Texas? And what was it like meeting new people and, and that kind of experience to feel comfortable? How long did it take to feel comfortable? Man, it was years, man. Um, once I, going back to that crab analogy, once I Crawled got out bucket. of that bucket, yeah, uh, I recognized that there was nobody else around me. I had no idea where I was. The other crabs. The other crab. I'm a red crab. All of a sudden, there's blue crabs everywhere. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to find myself being in this new place and it was difficult man it definitely wasn't an easy transition but it definitely taught me a lot about myself um what my true core values are what my principles are um and i gotta be honest i tried to i tried to change my my humor my behavior For so others? that other people yeah so that other people would see that and i recognized you went back to high school i basically yeah i basically yeah. felt but i was never like that in high school like always like felt like myself even yeah though, but it was one of those things where you just got to be yourself. And when you're tempted to be somebody else and you think that's going to make things better and more comfortable, it's the total opposite. You say you're going to feel you way more called back home and said, I have had enough and went back home. You stayed consistent with it. I had to, man. There was a purpose. There was a calling. There's so many bands and artists in Dallas and just uh, Dallas, Austin. I'm just so excited because they're doing it because they have passion, you know? Dallas is different because everybody has a nine to five, so they play on the weekends and when they have time. Austin is where they go, and they'll they'll have they'll have three dead end jobs in a year just because they want to play and have the chance, like a Nashville kind of scene. Like comedians do, comedians do that a lot. A lot of these comedians out there work nine to five, and they'll do five shows a week. Right. They'll still do five because you need to do that if you're trying to work towards something like that. Right. It, it only takes one right person to be there to watch you, but. Last thing, bro, on that subject, like my grandparents, they're in such a toxic cycle and I just want them to go somewhere to like break their comfort zone. Cause I'm afraid, like I couldn't imagine dying in a, in a, in a negative kind of space, living in a toxic lifestyle and not seeing that it's toxic. That's another scary, not noticing the signs of a toxic situation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that, that goes back to people that you know, people that you grew up with, that you want to see them in a bright light, and then you go see them, and they're just in a pocket of darkness, and there's nothing you can do, man. Well, bro, you, you've seen me go from somebody that could be amazing to somebody that just lost it all, and now I'm here. So that's why I wanted to bring all these things up with you, because I feel comfortable with that. And Doing this podcast, like we were talking about music, is therapeutic to me. I get more out of this than I would paying $100 for an hour and 18 minutes at a, at, a, at a therapy session with some guy. I have no idea who it is. And not only that, I can share it with thousands of people out there that may be able to relate and hear something. Like Eric Lew Aaron Lewis standing up for somebody in the crowd. It takes one sentence out of an hour and 20 minutes that could click in somebody's mind that they can relate to. And that's why I do what I do here. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in. You guys can find Brandon on Instagram. Brandon, where can people find you? Drums instead. Uh, spell, it, spell it out for the third graders listening. <laughs> D-R-U-M-S, drums instead. I-N-S-T-E-A-D. Bro, Not I spelled kindergarten wrong the other day. <laughs> so you're good. All right, guys, you can follow me at PureEvilMMA underscore on Twitter. That's P-U-R-E-E-V-I-L-M-M-A underscore also at E-V-I-L underscore E-C-C-O and on Instagram at PureEvilMMA underscore. That does it for this episode of PureEvilMMA. Episode number, we're, we're close to episode 300, which is crazy. That's 600 hours almost of content that I brought you guys. So subscribe down below on iTunes, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Podomatic, Spotify, Player FM, YouTube, Periscope. And remember, without evil, there's no purity. Wait knuckles to the end. Behave yourselves. <laughs>